The journey is is the most important part. The most popular workout program on the market today for the past two months, P90X. If you don't know about the X, then you must be living under a rock. P90X. X. I hate it, but I love it. P90X fans, let's go. Oh, dude, this is going to hurt so much. Tip of the day, don't smash your face. Where I used to hate the struggle. I now love the struggle. And anybody who can go from one to the other, you know, the world is your oyster. I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. When this blew up for you, how did this impact you? It went from nothing for the first year and it went bang. When P90X was at its height, did you lose any relationships? I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. You know, I don't really get depressed anymore. I don't really get really sad anymore. I know how to make myself happy. You know, after a while, you can only give people so many chances. And most people, when they show up to one of my workouts, (laughs) they don't come back anyway. Once they become successful, rich, famous, have a lot of power, There's the, the down comes 95% of the time. Very few people can sustain that. About that time, Tom Petty passes away from an overdose, and I didn't even know. And then um, some friends of mine were at that Vegas shooting, and I just thought the world was game. And then I had trouble kind of talking and then stumbling. My, my wife, Shauna, thought I had a stroke. You know, without my wife, and I would just put my head in her lap and weep. I loved my life. I wanted to be able to train hard with my friends again. I wanted to be able to continue to sustain the incredible loving relationship that I have with my woman. Without a purpose, a plan, or a form of accountability, you will never succeed. Diary of an Empath. I am super excited for my next guest. Please welcome to the show, Tony Horton. He is one of the most recognizable and successful fitness professionals in the world. He is a worldwide known motivational speaker and the author of the top selling books, Bring It, Crush It, and his latest motivational book, The Big Picture, 11 Laws That Will Change Your Life. But you may remember him as the creator of P90X. I know that's how I know him. So welcome to the show, Tony. It is my pleasure. Uh, great to be here. I'm looking forward to the uh, to our exchange. Yeah. So it's amazing. Like, you know, we were just talking briefly before the show how, you know, it was P90X was like such a big, big thing, especially in the military world, which is where I know you from. And I think a lot of people know you from, you know, your fitness um, professional career, especially with P90X. But I don't think a lot of people have gotten to know you, you know, where you came from and your background. And I firmly believe that your upbringing kind of shapes who you are. So I kind of want to start off there with your upbringing, how did your early influences, your family environment impact and shape who you are today? Well, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, I mean, I know a lot of folks who struggled quite handily when they were younger and ended up being pretty successful in the end. And I think it's those trials and tribulations that sort of contribute to people's success. Uh, you know, I mean, I moved a lot as a kid. My father was in the military. He was a tank commander in the army. So we moved a lot with the military. And then he had, you know, once he retired from the army, you know, it was a lot of job hopping from from city to city, state to state. We moved six times before fifth grade, I think. And and early on, I had a speech impediment, which was no fun. You know, that's not something you want as a kid because you become a target. And so you're moving a lot and you have the speech thing and different teachers, different, you know, schools, different, you know, neighborhood friends, that kind of thing. So so I was a pretty insecure kid, uh, you know, when I first started out as a wee lad. Um, and uh, you're not a great student either. I mean, I had ADD and ADHD. I mean, none of that stuff was was uh, you know they, they didn't when didn't test me for it because it was the '60s. You know what I mean? It was like, get, come on, kid, you'll you'll be fine. Just you know, suck it up, you'll be fine. And um, but yeah, I was struggling a lot with that. And my dad was on the road a lot. My I was really it was my mother and my two sisters in the house five days a week. You know, he was traveling with his job. So you know, it was kind of a you know, I mean, everybody has atypical upbringings, but. Mine was not like anybody else's that I was hanging out with. So, so you know, for me, the reading, writing, and arithmetic was a struggle, and friendships was a struggle, and communication because of the speech impediment. It's called cluttering, actually. So I just, you know, you know a lot of people who speak too quickly, and that was my issue. And I didn't have much of a, of a vocabulary. Ooh, I just did it a little bit there. Much of a vocabulary. And so that those are things that I worked on. I mean, I read every personal development book I could find. You know, that really helped because those types of things I wasn't learning in school. And when I, once I went off to college, you know, high school was was a little bit better than when I was a kid. 
you know, I mean, I was a, not a great athlete, but I was, you know, at least making friends. I was starting to deal with the speech thing a little bit better um, just by reading books out loud and listening to it on tape, that kind of a thing. And then I got into my, you know, I got into my Tony Robbins and my Deepak Chopra, my Andrew Weil, my Keith Richards and my Gary Zukoff, and you name them all. I've read them all. And um, there was a lot of intel in there that I just had never been exposed to before. And I just sucked it up. I just thought, man, there's, there's, I'm going to start practicing this stuff. And I'm going to stop doing the things that were a bit of a struggle for me. And, you know, it wasn't an easy ride. It took years and years, decades, really, for me to kind of pull it off. But, you know, I managed through college. Okay, I'm still six credits short or four. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I went out to California in 1980 as a 22-year-old on vacation and um, never returned uh, parents like, what are you doing out there? I go, I'm having a blast, man. I'm in Southern California and it's sunny and I can go skiing in the morning and surfing in the afternoon. And there's nothing wrong with this lifestyle. And it was hand to mouth. You know, I was building tables and I was waiting, I was, uh, waiting tables and building tables. I was waiting on the tables that I built. No, that's <laughs> not true. But, but I was also a pantomime. I was doing <laughs> pantomime back at URI where I went to school and I would go out to the Santa Monica pier or into Westwood where UCLA, UCLA was, and I would I would just put the hat down and do my thing, you know, and make a few bucks and then go to the corner liquor store and buy some Cheerios and yogurt and live on that for three or four days. But, you know, it didn't, to me, it didn't, the poverty thing and the struggle thing was part of the journey. I, you know, I didn't even think about it then, you know, I had to borrow cars. I mean, it was pretty horrendous. And making the rent every month was just, was such an episode. So that that those early days, which led to these kind of personal development days, um, and I wasn't really into fitness that much, but I, I got I was I came out to California to be an actor, and I did some early acting and some modeling early on. And my my agent said, "Hey, you know, you're kind of scrawny and you're kind of chubby at the same time. You might want to fix that if you want to work more." So I just got right into the fitness culture, and I just fell in love with it. You know, I mean, I just felt better afterward. You know, it was more it was more about the mental and the emotional as it was the physical. I mean, I was doing it for the physical so I could work more, you know, and then I met, then I started training one of my bosses. I was working at 20th Century Fox as a PA production assistant. And I started training my, the guy that I go to work with every day because he was noticing my transformation because <clears throat> I, I started this whole fitness thing just after I started working for him. And his partner was Julia Phillips, the woman who her and her husband, ex-husband at that point had developed the close counter of the third kind taxi driver with De Niro and, and this thing with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. So it was cool. Like I didn't have to wait tables or do mime anymore or whatever. You know, I was a go-go dancer at Chippendales for a summer. Long story. You know, whatever I could do to make <laughs> a buck. Another story. Yeah, that was another story. I won a, a, a dance contest and this girl was there and she says, you want a gig? And I went, fine. Um, but but now I had, a, you know, a kind of a cool job and, and I could also audition and stuff. They let me audition. And then later on, his name was Harlan Goodman, which was the guy that I was training. He introduced me to Tom Petty, who was my first celebrity client. You know, I talk about it in my book where my roommate picks up the phone and says, dude, it's Tom Petty. And I say, hang up. There's no way that's Tom Petty. So Bob hangs up on Tom. And I trained Tom, Tom on and off for 32 years. And then from Tom was, you know, Billy Idol and Annie Lennox from the Eurythmics and Stephen Stills and Sean Connery and Shirley MacLaine and Bryce Dallas Howard and Allison Janney and Octavia Spencer and Bruce Springsteen and blah, blah, blah. I went on and on and on. And it was a pretty cool life, but I was still kind of broke. But I was still acting here and there. And then eventually I got that, you know, I got my original gig with this guy, Carl Deichler. And, you know, then I then we did this thing called Power 90. And I, you know, I didn't have to live in a two-bedroom apartment, you know, with a view of the convalescent home anymore. I mean, I was there for 21 and a half years and I bought my first home. And then we did P90X and X2 and X3. And, and that relationship came to an end and I'm in a different phase now. So, I feel like there's a lot of people who have gone through shit in their life and they took a different route. It's really easy to just like say, I'm done, I'm going to give up, especially, you know, if you came from a life of not making a lot of money or you're going through struggles, but what, what changed with you or where is that, that line with you? Was it something to do with how you grew up seeing your dad in the military? Because a lot of people could have just quit and you took that and you went a whole different route. So was there like a particular moment in your life that impacted you that you can think of, or do you think it was just like a drive that came from somewhere else? I think it was multiple impacts over the course of time. I think I, I felt many times in my journey that I was at rope's end, you know, where I could really screw this thing up and start, you know, snorting blow and drinking too much and eating too much. Uh, but I, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at observing 
I don't have an addictive bone in my body, which is, I'm very lucky that way. My, my father had that issue and his, his brother and their, his kids. And, you know, I mean, it, it just, this happens and people fight through it or they don't. But I, you know, like I, I just stopped drinking because I just didn't want to anymore. It just felt kind of foolish to me. You know, I mean, if I'm going to be exercising and eating right, why am I having three or four beers at night? It seems counterproductive. I was pretty good at following common sense. I was pretty good at the trial and error aspects of life. I was pretty good at um, abandoning things that weren't working and beginning to sort of try try new things that I had heard or read uh, that would improve my life. Um, I just wanted to be happy and I just wanted not to be poor. And I just wanted to be in a great relationship with a gal that I could fall in love with. And I kept doing everything that I could to sort of make those things happen. And none of it happened overnight. I mean, I'm, I'm 64, you know what I mean? And I'm still in the process of learning. Um, and I don't mind that process. I hated it as a kid. If I wasn't very good at something right away, out. But that's most people. You know, I'm not, I'm not genetically gifted. Right. I just have to keep plugging along. I just have to keep. You know, I mean, I was at, I'm dropping more names now. Uh, I was at Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese's place in Malibu and they had me underwater with 25 pound weights. It's like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? 20 years ago, there was no way I would even have showed up for that because I was, I almost drowned as a child. So the water is not my favorite thing. So, you know, when you fall off the damn horse, get back on, you know? And so I did. Um, and then here in Jackson Hole, there were a bunch of people who are all locals. They know the mountain like the back of their hand. And they're all skiing in the funkiest parts of this place. And Jackson Hole is no joke. You know, there's some scary, dangerous stuff here. And I'm conditioned. And maybe I'm not the best skier of the group, but I got in there and I hung, you know. And if, so those are the feelings like you just go, what if I had said no? You know what I mean? And I still, like, I still waver. It's not like, I, even though I'm gotten this far in life. It's not like, well, now I'll just jump out of a plane, which I've done. And, um, you know, whatever, or get an F-15C and throw up seven times. That wasn't my favorite day, but I did it. You know what I mean? I, I do waver still, but I do have that little voice in the back of my head that says, hey, man, you have to, you have to experience life. It's too short. I mean, I don't know how the hell I got to be 64 in 10 minutes, but here I am, you know? And um, so you got to, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to live and you got to try and you have to expose yourself to, you know, difficult things, you know, I mean, do scary things that don't kill you. Right. So that's kind of one of my mottos. You mentioned when you were younger that you had some speech issues, some, uh, some speech impediments and some confidence issues. Was that always the case or when, when did that change for you? Because it, when you, when I look at you and I see you on P90X and I see you doing all these things, you seem like the most confident person in the world. I'm like, that's the person I want to be with. I want to embody that confidence. But you didn't always have that. So how did you how did you build that confidence for yourself? Trial and error. You know what I mean? Just just the more you do, the better you get. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that I live by. Obviously, I've I've, I've uh, patented and trademarked the term "do your best and forget the rest," and that's just you know that's one of my monikers for sure. And then you know. I don't, I no longer expect to be really good at things at the get go. I have now accepted the fact that the journey is, is the most important part. It's not about arriving at the top of the mountain. It's not coming into first place. It's not about, you know, having whatever 8.7% body fat. It's not about looking a certain way. It's not about aesthetics. It's not about ego. It's about, you know, exposing yourself to new adventures over and over and over again and falling flat on your face and, and knowing that falling flat on your face is is the best part of the whole thing. That creates the story that you tell when you finally progress on next to the next level. No, I didn't know any of that as a kid. Like, you know, I took a test. I got a C minus. Oh, all right. I didn't fail. Or I got an, I got an F. It's like, well, I guess I was supposed to get an F. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't, I didn't have any work ethic. I had, you know, my dad wasn't around. My mother was, you know, my mother was an amazing lady, but they didn't know how to, how to motivate me. They didn't know how to help me. They were, you know, two young kids that had a baby. It's like, okay, what the hell are we supposed to do with this guy? You know what I mean? I was, I didn't, I wasn't a doctor. I wasn't a lawyer. I wasn't any of those things. You know, I never even graduated from college, but I, but I'm self-taught in a lot of areas. And, and where I used to hate the struggle, I now love the struggle. And anybody who can go from one to the other, you know, the world is your oyster, really. Do you consider yourself a perfectionist? And I'm, and I'm asking you this for a reason, because when I hear you talk, I hear a lot of myself in you. 
believe it or not. And, you know, I wasn't a military brat, but I was in the military and, you know, but just similar to you, you know, I, I didn't go to college. I went to college now, but I didn't before as a high school dropout, drugs, alcohol, all types of stuff. And I was, I didn't really know where I was going in my life. And, you know, but like you, I got really into how can I improve myself, like weirdly into it more than other people. But I find myself to be a little bit of a perfectionist, not so much because you know, I, I need everyone else to see that I'm doing it. It's more myself. Like if I don't do it the best I can, there's no one else that's going to be there to pick up the pieces or to help me. So I have to, I have to win. And I kind of get, um, fixated on certain things. Like if I really, really get into something, I, I go a hundred percent, but if I'm not into it, I won't even put any effort into it. So I guess my, that's why my question to you is, do you feel like, or consider yourself a perfectionist? Uh, Sometimes, sometimes no. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when I'm, when I'm tittering around the house, you know, I mean, I, 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 the handyman is still there. Right. So, I mean, quite often I'll call the plumber and the electrician and have them, somebody come over, uh, but I'll build the shelf and I'll install this and I'll fix that and I'll assemble this thing. And I'll like yesterday I had four, four around the house tasks that I knew needed getting done, but this place is hard to get somebody over here to, to do certain things. And I think, well, I've got the toolkit. And I have, you know, I have the general know-how. I don't know how to really do any of these four things, but I'm going to, it's going to be kind of a fun little journey on figuring out, okay, what are the measurements? Do I need a level here? You know, do I need a hole punch? You know, whatever it is. I mean, how many inches left, right, center should this thing be? Aesthetically, how's it supposed to look? And, you know, when you're on vacation and you're taking a day off, it's not like you have to rush through any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, like I, there's this exterior clock that I had to put, had install onto a, stone face wall. So you need a special kind of bit, you need a special kind of screw. And then there's all kinds of options on this back wall to hang this thing. So I'm like, should I put it there? Should I put it there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I, you can't really hold it up and look at it because you want to step back. So I think there's a place I want to put it. So, you, you know, I'm drilling into cement and rock and that's tricky, <laughs> you know, and then I get it up and I don't like where it looks. So I take it down and I put it somewhere else. And I think I like where it is now. And then, you know, there was this uh, motion sensor light that had to be at a certain height, a certain angle and all this kind of stuff. And it's, you know, of course, it's 12 degrees outside and I can't really do all this stuff with gloves on. So I have to go inside, warm up my hands, go back outside. And, and you know, when, it's, when it comes to developing a program or fitness program, what I, what I want it to be is, it, is atypical compared to what everybody else is doing. So, I mean, I know this industry as well as anybody, and I know what's popular. I know what isn't, and I know what a good trainer looks like. And I know what, I know what a lousy one looks like. And I know what a, what a bad program and a bad sequence of exercises look like. And so I'm always trying to reinvent the wheel, which, you know, makes my head, makes my head just explode. I can feel the smoke coming out. Like there's a concept that I came up recently that I don't think exists you know, I mean, the exercises exist, but the sequence of exercises and the combination, the compound movements within an exercise hasn't been done before. So I'm really excited to kind of continue to piece this thing together. I mean, look at P90X. You know, we, we called it muscle confusion, which is like a made up term. We were just trying to think of a way to sell it. Right. But that's, you know, I mean, it explains Genius. what we we're trying to do. Martial arts on one day, plyo on the next, upper body, lower body, you know, core, yoga, Pilates. We just we just threw it all against the wall. And that's how I train myself at 64 so I can avoid the boredom and the injuries and the plateaus that come from doing the same things over and over again and expecting something extraordinary to happen because it ain't going to happen. If you go to yoga, you're going to get really good at yoga. You better keep escalating. You know, you better do the Hatha flow. You better do the Bikram. You better do the Ashtanga. You better do the Yin. You know what I mean? If that's how you can create variety in a, in a, if you're a yogi, but you're not going to be able to run very fast or do a pull-up. You know what I mean? And so, so my thing was – you know, why not be a jack of all trade? Because that's going to make it more interesting. You're going to constantly be working muscles and organs and tendons and ligaments in different ways every day. And that's the reason why 11 million people bought it. You know, I don't know how many actually did it, but a lot of them did. You know, a lot of people in the military did. I would show up, the, you know, mm-hmm. at the basement at the Pentagon and there was no room. There was standing room only, you know what I mean? there because they all had all been doing it. And whether you were a, you know, a, a serviceman or you were a three-star general you were in there doing it which was kind of amazing and that's the way i like you know i've got a tonal now i work for tonal i love i love working for that company i love that machine it feels like i'm working out on something from the future but i don't use just the tonal you know i'm here at my house my local gym 
is shut down for 18 months. The next one is like almost 50 minutes away. So I'm not going to drive all the way. So I just get on my tonal. I get my dumbbells and some push-up stands. And I, and I, and I go downstairs knowing that maybe it's, ch- it's chest and back, but I don't know what the sequence is. I don't know what the exercises are. And I just do the first thing. I just pull it out of my ass. And then I, then I do the next one and the next one. And, you know, 24 to 32 sets later, I'm breathing hard. I'm purple and I'm jacked and I, I love it because I, you know, I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. There are some standard routines, like one's called the challenge. It's from P90X3 that I love. I, I do that often. Then there's a plyo routine that I've been doing for 17 years. It never gets easy, man, because it's an hour and 15 minutes long and it's a monster. But usually the rest of my routines are, are all different, different sequences. When I go skiing, I don't do the same, make the same turns in the same place. I go over there. I mean, it's, it's like what I like about my fitness and skiing and life is that it's a series of last second decisions. You know what I mean? Uh, quite often. Um, not that I don't, you know, plan ahead. I still do that too, but I, I'm kind of a seat of your pants guy, but at the same time, I'm also perfectionist. It really depends on what it is that I'm about to do. If it's building a program and casting that program and, and, and rehearsing that thing, you know what I mean? But at the same time, while, while that basic form is in place, I'm a free form guy. I mean, I, I was a stand up comic, not very good at it. And then I did, um, you know, I did improv. I was with second city LA. I like thinking off the top of my head. I like funny phrases. I like, you know, kind of shocking people and that's always in there. And so I, you know, I live moment to moment in those situations, but the, but the structure itself has already been planned ahead. Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah, and I and I can tell that that's something that's helped you throughout your career, especially if you're a quick thinker and you're you're good at talking, and then you add into the fitness. So speaking of P90X, you know, and you, you talked a little bit about how it formed when P90X started to blow up. How did that impact you, and how did things change for you? Because I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, and this was 2006 to 2010. This mm-hmm. is when I remember P90X was like high, it was huge, and I I still have it on on VHS or no, I have CDs of it, VHS. and I had I think the P90X, Whoa. the first one and the second one. <laughs> okay, the made the VHS, the CDs. <laughs> The DVDs. We had the DVDs. I'm aging myself. But I it was huge. I mean, I remember that there was people in my unit doing it. And now mind you, this was before I had no idea about anything fitness. So mm-hmm. it was like the first time we were being introduced to something different and seeing that it worked. And so I think that's why it was so successful. Because although you had people who were in the fitness industry who were like diehard bodybuilders, there was a lot of people who had no idea. They had no fucking clue how to work out. And for the mm-hmm. first time, these were at home workouts that were strength training that were working. When this blew up for you, walk me through it. How did this change for you? How did this impact you? Everything changed. Everything changed. Now, prior to P90X, there was something we created called a Power 90. And prior to that, there was something called Great Body Guaranteed. So Great Body Guaranteed was just a like a two-day gig that we didn't even have enough money. We had to go to the beach and shoot without a permit to finish these workouts. And I got paid two grand. And to me, it was just another one-off, another gig, you know what I mean? Just to, you know, throw into the bank account. And then it did well. You know what I mean? When you, when you do an infomercial product, you're competing with thousands of others, all fighting for the same airtime. And, uh, and uh, you know, and especially if you're buying national TV spots, it's crazy expensive. Um, and that, those early programs, you know, you're buying uh, – Poughkeepsie, New York, you're buying Seattle, Washington, you're buying, you know, Irvine, California and Houston, Texas. And you, whatever you, that you pay, you just like, here's $10,000. Let's, let's hope we make $10,001. You know what I mean? And a lot of companies (laughs) that get into this world, you know, they spend 10 grand and maybe they, they bring in four and you can only do that for so many weeks. And then you're, you're all your time and your effort and your money and your investments and the investments your friends gave you just goes, round and round and down the toilet but great body guaranteed was was a little different you know what i mean it wasn't a power 90 or p90x but it did get people you know looking like oh who are these guys this thing's doing okay 
And then from that, you know, the, the CEO of the company still is this guy, Carl Deichler. I mean, you know, we're no longer connected, but you know, we had a good run. Uh, you know, he said, Hey, let's do this thing. Let's turn it up a little bit and, uh, and try some power, this thing called power 90. And that's what really began to change things for me. I mean, I, I lived in the same 21, the same two bedroom apartment for 21 and a half years, had a broken down couple cars. I mean, I was training celebrities, but you only can train them one at a time. So you're driving to Malibu and you're driving to Hollywood and then you go to Beverly Hills and from Beverly Hills, you go to, you know, you go to Venice and from Venice, you know, so, you know, I, I was living on power bars. I was burning out both of my crappy old cars. I had a 66 Mustang and an 84 um, Toyota Land Cruiser. And my apartment was, you know, same carpet, 21 and a half years. It was nothing glamorous about my life at all. You know what I mean? But, but it was better than, you know, well, I don't know if it was better than dancing at Chippendales, but it was I made more money. Um, <laughs> you know, it was better than certainly doing mine at the pier, you know, or in Westwood. And then so, you know, I was getting royalty checks at that point. I had a lawyer and I had a deal. And, you know, before, if I had a commercial, I'd get a royalty check for $28 or maybe $115. And these checks were coming in the mail. Initially, Power 90 didn't do anything because it was kind of a mini P90X, a lot of variety, five days a week. We had a f food plan with it. And a lot of people are like, wow, that looks, that looks intense. I don't want to do it. But, but eventually after a year, when we, when they saw the testimonials of people that were doing it, it just kind of, it went from nothing for the first year and it went bang. And we sold about four or 5 million copies of that at that point. And I was able to pay off. I had like seven or eight credit cards all maxed out. I was using credit cards to pay off credit cards. I was using the checks that came with credit cards to pay off the other credit cards. I mean, it was just such a, you know, young single idiot lifestyle. And then I paid them all off. And I, you know, I, I had enough money for a down payment for, for a four bedroom house with a view of the, you know, the Hollywood sign. Uh, it was, it was a trippy change. I had my crappy old furniture. I didn't have enough money for furniture. So a lot of the rooms were empty. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was amazing. And then P90X came along and we weren't, I thought that's a bad idea. We're going to make power 90 harder. Like, why don't we just make it a little bit easier so more people would want to do it? And the CEO, God bless him, he just, you know, he had a vision for it. My vision was different with the whole muscle confusion and 12 workouts as opposed to he wanted to do six. And we had a little tete-a-tete about that, but it, but he he acquiesced. And, and I won out that battle and we made this thing. And the one thing that he said to me, he actually just sent me a text like two days ago. I haven't heard from the guy in two years. Um, he goes, I was looking at the old P90Xs. He goes, dude, you were... The, the smartest thing I ever said was just, you go, you just go be you. So, you know, we, there was some profanity in there and we cut that out. I didn't think that was appropriate, but, but, you know, all the silliness and the jokes and the goofiness and the pterodactyl and don't smash your face and, and whatever. I don't remember most of it, but most people do. Um, we kept it all in and it was a beautiful set and every, all our cast members were mic'd, which usually, usually just robots in the background. I wanted them to be part of the party, you know? And I wanted them to be able to, I cast my friends and people that I had a rapport with so they could like, you know, Phil Malton, you know, I go, Hey, Phil, you're looking pretty buff. And he says, get out of my face, whatever. These are iconic moments that people never forget. And every time they put them in, they're, they're kicking their own ass while they're fired up waiting for these goofy little moments. And that's when, you know, I mean, there was some, you know, it's weird being famous, you, you know, when you're not famous and you're just doing your thing. And then all of a sudden you're at the airport or you're at the grocery store and then people are, you know, they want your autograph and take, you know, back then there were no selfies, but that happened after P90X. It's a strange transformation, especially when your bank account goes from zero to, I think I want me a Mercedes Benz. I think I want a bigger house. I think I want, what are those? I want to go to Barney's and Neiman Marcus and I'm going to buy me six Prada shirts at $550 each. You know I mean? That kind of, like Wesley Snipes, MC Hammer kind of stupidity. Not, not that there's anything wrong, but yeah, I just spent a lot of money I didn't need to spend. And there's a whole lot of leather coats in a closet that I never wear. <clears throat> I've given a lot of them away. But So there's the, you have to go through that adapt, adaptive phase, but you can't lose the core of who you are. You know, I, I am my mother's son. And so when somebody wants an autograph, they want a picture, I'm at, no matter what, no matter, no matter, because it's the people who who have bought my stuff and have transformed their lives, who allow me to live here. You know what I mean? Here. Not Beautiful. a bad, bad. Love it. 
Yeah, not a jazz. bad pad. Do you do you do you feel like there was any pressure that was put on you afterwards? Did you feel pressure to look a certain way, to be a certain way? Or oh, do yeah. you feel like you like, were I don't clear? like the way my hair looks right now. Like I don't what's going on? <laughs> I'm always there. I gotta get I'm growing it out. So it's in the in-between phase. And then Shauna hates it growing out. She likes it shorter. Um, this is my mountain winter hair, you know. Uh, yeah, you, have to just, you can't leave the house looking like a slob. I mean, I do sometimes, you, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I'm a I'm a persnickety guy anyway. So, you know, I've always been um, uh, uh, metrosexual, metrosexual, you know. I like to be groomed and trimmed and fit and shirts custom made, you know what I mean? I was that way. I had my own sewing machine as a kid. I'm, you know, I, I got a sewing machine on my 12th birthday. You know, my parents were concerned, but but uh, turned out okay. And I haven't, had, I haven't needed to use that sewing machine since. But yeah, you know, yeah, I try to keep like I look okay. It, and being 64, it gets harder. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I was in my teens, 20s, 30s, early 40s, I didn't have to do much. Now, you know, now I got to pay closer attention. What about your relationships? When when P90X was at its height, did you lose any relationships during that time? That's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. Not really. I, I'm, and I think the people that I abandoned, it wasn't because I, be, I you know, the, who I am and the way I interact with my friends and family has not changed one iota. And I think they would agree with that. Um, I'm still me. You know what I mean? Um, um, a little insecure, a little bit humble, a little bit cocky, a little bit, you know, a little bit of an ego, um, a little bit of everything, you know, that's, that's, that's the whole gamut, you know what I mean? Depending on if I'm hydrated, if I have enough sleep, if I've got too much work, if I don't have enough work, you know what I mean? It's like anybody else, uh, you know, you have your ups and downs, you know, I don't really get depressed anymore. I don't really get really sad anymore. I, I, f I know how to make myself happy. You know, I meditate now and I do breath work now that I never used to do. I mean, I was sick in 2017 and I was out of, I was out of it for a long time, years. You know, I lost a bunch of weight, couldn't exercise, couldn't drive, couldn't work out, couldn't really do anything. And that humbles a guy, you know, even more so. So I still get stressed out. I still lose my temper, but I know how to kind of, I know how to mitigate that through mindfulness and meditation practices. But to answer your question, yeah, there were just some people who, you know, after a while, you can only give people so many chances. You know, I mean, like, hey, why are you being a bonehead? Don't be a bonehead. Like, how about, you know, you know, the difference between right and wrong. You know, the difference between being disciplined and being, you know, all over the place. Uh, and as I've gotten older, the one thing I've learned, and a lot of this comes from my personal development and transformational journey, is you just can't keep the finger pointers and the wannabes and the haters and, and the, you can't keep them around. You know what I mean? You got to keep searching for rock stars, people who want to live large and laugh hard and have fun and, and find their raison d'etre in the world, you know? Um, and those are the people that I'm, I'm with now, you know what I mean? And I can suss people out pretty quick, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, you, hey, so can I, Tony, can I bring so-and-so so over to the Sunday workout? Yeah, yeah. He's got four hours. And to and then if he if he's passed the test, he gets to come back. If he doesn't, you know, and most people, when they show up to one of my workouts, <laughs> they don't come back anyway. You know what I mean? And the, and the, those that do, I mean, that's just impressive because we don't, we don't screw around. You know, we really, we get way, way, way after it. And a lot of people who shouldn't have been there in the first place, people I never thought I would be friends with at all have blown my mind in the last several years. People who are like obese, unathletic, terrible, you know, work ethic in general, just completely turn themselves around before my very eyes. It's, it's just kind of fun. And that's why I like to, you know, open my doors to people all the time. I do shut the door. You know what I mean? Like, mm, no, you're, you're, you're drunk too much, dude. I don't want to, why are you drunk during the day? Seriously. <laughs> like go be drunk during the day with other people who like to get drunk during the day. That ain't me. See you later. And so, you know, that there's, there's some sadness and conflict in that, but I don't know, like, you know, how much time? I'm 64, 674, 84. I mean, like, in 20 years, I'm going to be 84. 
I mean, your boundary setting is great. That I mean, I think that's phenomenal because boundaries, a lot of people don't have them. And I think that when you when you start to align with your purpose, people will either naturally align to that same vibration of, you know, where you are, or they will naturally be removed because they're not supposed to be, you know, whatever path you're on. And and sometimes I have found that like I've lost friends. And when I would think about the sadness or the hurt. And then I have to like, kind of go back and be like, you know what, but they were doing stuff that just did not align with my highest good, whether it was drinking, Mm -hmm. going out all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, or just things that didn't align with my life. And I found that it actually was more beneficial for them not to be around. And I lost relationships, the better of a person I became. And I had to kind of accept that and just be like, that's okay. You know, and because that's an energy suck, that's an energy suck from you. Right. Yeah. Right. That, those kind of That's people. Right. In life. That's right. And you know, you can, you can lead a horse to water and you can try to help them. And I've done that. But after a while, it's just like, I just don't, I don't need that. It just makes my life more complicated because it's already pretty complicated. I think you're probably super empathic. And I think those of us that are, you know, it's really important that we be careful of the company we have. You, you mentioned that you had a health scare. Take me back to that time, because I could imagine as somebody who's, you know, very health conscious to go through something that is all of a sudden a threat to your health. How did that impact you? And how did you keep moving forward after that happened? Well, it was the it was October of 2017. And the company that I had been with for 20 years, Beachbody, who, you know, produced all my programs, um, you know, Mike, you know, you, you through whether you have a two or three or five year contract, I don't know what, how many years, it, you know, after 20 years, I've probably been through about three or four contracts, some longer than others, but it was contract time. And we sat down and, and my, my wife and I were kind of flabbergasted on, 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 by <laughs> the numbers that they offered. We were just like, oh my gosh, I think, you know, and then we would counter, right. You know, you do, they get a counter and they just wouldn't budge. Like, oh, you're supposed to give a little, right? And that's what negotiation is. That's everyone I've ever done. But nope, they held their ground. And I just, I turned to my wife. I said, we can't, like, why am I getting paid, you know, less or based on what could happen with sales? We can't rely on that. You know, we got to rely on on 20 years of service. I mean, like Tom Brady, like, oh, I want all these Super Bowl Bowls and you're not giving me what I want. I'm going to go down to, I'm going to go somewhere else and win one. Um, and that's how I felt. And it was really, I was, I was shocked I mean, I still had another year with them, so I was still getting paid. But in that, in, I mean, that was just a big bolt for me and uh, super stressful because when you've been broke your whole life or up to, your, up to the age of about four, mid 40s, and then you become, you know, um, you know, what was the expression I've heard once that said, uh, um, you know, either you're rich, you're, you're rich and successful, and then as you get older, you're not that anymore on the day you die. You know, it's very hard to sustain that. There's a lot of people that, that once they become successful, rich, famous, have a lot of power. There's the, the down comes 95% of the time. Very few people can sustain that. And I, I get that, right? So I just thought, oh, you know, this, this, this is the end of a, of a relationship. What am I going to do now? And about that time, um, Tom Petty passes away from an overdose mm. And I didn't even know, and I, I got him ready for that tour before he went on that tour. Um, and, uh, and then, um, uh, some friends of mine were at that Vegas shooting and I just thought the world was caving in. Like, you know, there's just too much bad luck going on around me. And I, you know, so I remember there was a plyo session at my house. I don't know. It was about 15 people there. And I invite people to come to my house, you know, almost every day of the week, except for Saturdays. And, uh, and this group, I just felt like, you know, and I was in the middle of all that. Right. And they just, it just felt to me, they were all effing off in my yard while I invited them to come to my house and work for free. And I blew my top in front of everybody. And they were like, Whoa. And I could just like, I, Oh, I must, I must be dealing with some stress. And then whatever the weekend after that, it was incredible pain in my left right side of my head. And then I had kind of a rash in my ear and then I had trouble kind of talking and then stumbling. And my, my wife, Shauna thought I had a stroke. So we go to the hospital. By the time I go to the hospital, the Ramsey, the, the Ramsey hunt or the shingles in my ear was full blown, you know, open sores. Wow. Um, and you want, you don't want to get shingles in your ear. And when you get shingles in your ear, one out of a hundred thousand people who get shingles, get it in their ear. And they also get something called Ramsey hunt syndrome. And those shingles, those open sores, there's all these nerves, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth facial nerves, go into your brain. So your vision and your smell and your taste and your balance 
are all affected. And um, so there's a lot of vomiting and there's a lot of sleeping and there's a lot of no eating and there's a lot of depression and sadness. And uh, I had Bell's palsy, which is not a great look for me, you know. Same thing that uh, Justin Bieber is still dealing with, you know what I mean? And a lot of people who get Ramsey-Hunt syndrome never fully recover because they don't have the fitness and the nutrition and and the all that science behind them. For me, I went and got a I got a thirty eight page one hundred thirty eight page um, blood work on every possible food that I've ever consumed in my life, and I stopped eating the ones that I shouldn't have, and I only ate the ones that I could. Didn't leave me with much to eat, but I wanted my Bell's palsy to go away, and I wanted to be able to walk in a straight line again, and I wanted to be able to you know, taste food again. And I want to be able to see in a bright room again, you know what I mean? And I wanted not, I wanted to be able to, you know, not stumble and then, you know, throw up on the sidewalk because I was so nauseous from all that stuff. So I already had the work ethic. Thank God. I, I had all that personal development. Thank God. And, and so with a lot of help from my wife, I mean, without my wife, I don't know, man, I would have jumped off the balcony at times, but, you know, I would just put my head in her lap and weep. It was just, I mean, the nausea and the pain was a 12 on a scale of one to two. I mean, it was just, I don't know how the hell, you know, it was brutal. But, you know, here I am. And I still deal with mild amounts of, you know, whatever, six years later, mild amounts of this, this bilateral vestibular hypofunction that is post-Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Because those nerves, you know, I can't stand on one foot very well anymore. But I can sure as hell get on two can pairs of skis. I don't know, possibly, but I take medication for it every day, mm. every day. I just have to, mm. whenever the shit hits the fan, you know. If you had to name one thing, what was your number one motivator at that time when you were going through that? Because you could have just given up. Anybody in that position could have just been like, this is my life and I, I what else am I going to do? They, a lot of people are done. They just, they just, um, I loved my life. I wanted to be able to train hard with my friends again. I wanted to be able to, you know, uh, continue to sustain the, the incredible loving relationship that I have with my woman. You know I mean? Those were, and that was hard under those circumstances. So, you know, even though all the King's horses and all the King's men couldn't put me back together again, I took the tinctures and I did the meditation and I, you know, I did everything that I could that was, you know, science-based and and maybe just sort of faith-based um, to get me there. And, you know, you know You're I mean, here. a lot of You're people here. who are functioning again, but they, the Bell's palsy never goes away. Or a lot of people lose the Bell's mm. palsy, but they're just dizzy and nauseous the rest of their life. You know what I mean? And I mean, I went to rehab. I was, mm-hmm. I was in a room with a bunch of guys that had gone back from Afghanistan and Iraq that had been blown up. You know what I mean? And I was suffering from similar sort of like, you know, when, when there's a when there's a blast and, you know, you know besides just losing an arm or a leg or whatever um, or parts of your hand, there's also the same kind of, deal, you know, brain stuff that I was dealing with. Um, you know, mine, mine happened in slow motion. There's happened like that. Right. But we're still still, you know, the, the rehab place, they would put up all this colored birthday and Christmas uh, wrapping paper on the wall and shine bright lights on it. And you'd have to walk in a straight line. It was, it was, you know, it was crazy. It was impossible. But with practice, I didn't miss the rehab. I just wanted to get better. I just wanted to get better. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I had that work ethic from, from eating right. And I changed my diet after that. I changed my diet and it's, I'm still vegan. No wheat, no soy, no corn, no dairy, unless it's slipped into a meal, which I'm sure it is periodically. But, you know, I mean, I'm in Jackson Hole. There was an elk chop on the menu, a beautiful, medium rare, ridiculous, two of them. And I ordered that son of a gun and I ate that thing. You know what I mean? If there's wild salmon you. on the menu, <laughs> I don't, I'm, you know, I don't want to be myopic or pious about it. You know, I'm not, I'm never going to have, I'm never going to eat fish or chick. Screw that. You know what I mean? I'm on a barbecue and there's these people and they're making food and I'm hungry. I'll be vegan tomorrow. You know what I mean? I'm vegan <laughs> 342 days. I'm going to get all the, I'm going to get all the, the vegan hate vegan. comments now. <laughs> well, I mean like all I the mean, veganers that, are going to go after us. Well, I mean, look, you could be like some people are just, you know, they got the blinders on, they want to do what they want to do, but turns out it's not working and they're miserable. 
Okay. Well, you keep, keep on keeping on then. You know what I mean? It's like, you got, you've got to be, you got to be open-minded and you got to be flexible. I, I do. I don't want to tell anybody else. That's how I have to function. That's why at 64 years old, I can go downstairs and I can do 32 sets of pull-ups and push-ups like I'm on the friggin' moon. And, and, you know, I couldn't do that in my teens or early twenties. I can do it now. I mean, can I run as fast or jump as high? No. But when, if you had 85 categories of fitness, I'm better now at probably 60 of them than I was in my, my teens, twenties and thirties. So when you went through that health scare, how did that change your view on fitness? Did it change your view on fitness? Yoga came back. It, I had, you know, because of the, the pandemic, you know, I mean, I did, I, for the general public who knew me or who were fans, I did yoga every day, every Saturday for everybody. Um, but yeah, I was missing, you know, because I got a, I got a martial arts, I got to do upper body, I got to do lower body, I got to do plyo. I got, I got, you know, there's only seven days in the week and, and yoga was the one that kind of, it kind of got away. And so that's back full throttle and has been, and it's very important. And then the meditation thing, you know, I, I thought meditation and breathing was just ridiculous. Like how I breathe anyway, like who cares if I take a short breath or a deep breath, how, how much different can that be? <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> box breathing. Okay. Inhale four, hold four, exhale four. It sounded all like bullshit to me. Um, but I was, I was in pain and I didn't know what else to do. And all the meds and all the other stuff wasn't working. And so did it cure anything? No, <clears throat> but it helped me get through the day and it helped me get to the next day and it helped me give me enough energy to be open-minded to whatever else I needed to do to sort of improve. And that's still it. Like I'll have just like something will just hit me and I'll think, okay, I can fret or I can breathe. And I choose breathing now. And sometimes it's just breath work and sometimes it's meditation and they're not exactly the same thing. Obviously they're very linked. You can't meditate without breathing. Right. But you can't do breath work without meditating. So, so at least the way I've learned it. Um, and that's helped. That's been the big change. You know what I mean? I don't lift as heavy as I used to. I don't need to try to impress anybody with how much I bench. You know what I mean? Um, I have four different places at my property in LA where I train. If you've been to my house, I have a, a big gym, indoor gym that used to be a garage in a back bedroom, knocked all the walls out and built that. I have a ninja course in the backyard that was given to me. So, you know, you got to install that son of a gun. And then I have parallel bars and a 12 and a 20 foot rope and a 17 foot rope and a peg boards everywhere. And, you know what I mean? That's to me, that's more skill based. It's more interesting. It's more of a challenge than just lying on my back and lifting weights off my chest. You know what I mean? It's like, and I still do that. I still do that too. Because of the muscle confusion, of course, you know. So if you could take one misconception or the biggest myth when it comes to health and fitness, what would that be? Well, it's the same myth that existed when people were discovering this stuff during Jack LaLanne's days back in the 30s, 40s and 50s, is that you have to, you have to have a, per, you Without a purpose, a plan, or a form of accountability, you will never succeed. Those, that's the foundation of your overall health and wellness success. You have to have a reason why, other than how you think you want to look in the future, other than how you hope people will say nice things about your transformation, because those are very ephemeral, like they come in and they go, you know what I mean? It's like a fog. It's just not, it's not a thing. You want, hopefully you want to exercise long-term for the rest of your life to be able to be 64 and, and kick ass and take names. You know, that's, that should be your purpose. Not to say that you don't want to train to get leaner or lose some body fat. Sure. That's still okay too, but it shouldn't be the most important thing. You know what I mean? Most people don't have that. They're doing it because I'm so many days and I live so many ways and I'm going to fit into this dress and all my friends are going to love me. You know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? And then you have to have a plan. You got to know what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And it has to be five to six days a week till the day you die. All right. And most people just wing it. And if you wing it, it doesn't work. If you wing it, it won't work. You like, you got to get up in the morning and go, and what's better morning, noon or night, whatever fits into your schedule, whenever, whatever it takes to get other people to join you. If it's at night, then, and that's when they can join you. That's the best time. If it's in the morning and they're going to show up at your house or you're going to get online and do something great. Or if you have, you know, a crazy, a crazy day and you got kids and a job and a husband, but then you better do it first thing in the morning. You just got to figure that out. And you have to know exactly how long that workout's going to be. And you have to know exactly what that workout is, right? And then the accountability thing, 
Some people are, are accountable just purely by, you know, throwing a, uh, uh, here, I'm going to show you something. I'm just, here's another way to be accountable, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, you told me I could go away and take a nap. So you can, go. you can. I'll, I'll wait. I have nowhere to go. <laughs> I'm going to make this a blooper. <laughs> oh, when I'm home, you know, where I live in LA, I've got, I don't need to do this because I've got people over six days a week. But I'm here by myself. My wife's here. She's leaving tomorrow. Um, so this is the only way I can do it. Make sure I show up. See that? You write it down. Every single day I've been here so far, when you and I are done, there's going to be some red there. See, this is just hanging in the kitchen on the cabinet. I don't want to see, I don't want to see this. You see, this means I didn't do shit. You know what I mean? Which means, oh, here, like, let's say that I left these blank. Then all this hard work goes away. You know what I mean? It's not like a bank account. You deposit it in gross interest. No, it's always being mm -hmm. withdrawn every single day. You do nothing. Right. So mm -hmm. ninja cardio, I shoveled some snow. Uh, I shoveled some snow and did, uh, lifted weights. Then I shoveled more snow. So a lot of snow snowing for a lot. So I can't days. You know what I mean? And so that's it. You know, purpose, plan, and accountability. If you don't have it, it, it you know, it's whatever, unless you're a bodybuilder or a fitness model or a, a paid athlete or a high school athlete or an Olympic athlete. You know, they train purely for the love of, of getting better at their sport. For the rest of us, you got to find some other thing. You know what I mean? You got to find a way to, to do it. The other thing is the other thing which is obvious to me is this doing the same things over and over again and not adding variety. It's just not it's you know, you're not gonna get the physique or the strength or the or the athleticism that you want. You know what I mean? Like why would you just do yeah, I love yoga. I think yoga's I'm gonna be I have a yoga camp here in Jackson Hole, thirty people coming in from around the country, some from around the world, and we're all gonna ski and do yoga. You know, and yoga can always get more interesting, but yoga by itself, not enough. Pilates by itself, not enough. Bodybuilding by itself, not enough. Riding your Peloton, not even close to being enough. You know what I mean? Unless you're on a Peloton and there's something else that you're doing, you know, um, that's, that's, that's the variety thing is very important. And a lot of people kind of become very myopic about it and they've fallen in love with this thing. And there's all these other aspects of, of fitness that they're, they're not taking advantage of. Which just means you have to be more open-minded and you have to be willing to f to be bad at some stuff for a while, which is a good thing. Yeah, because I was reading the stats when I was looking into New Year's resolutions, how to change habits. And, you know, I've read a couple books, Atomic Habits, which is amazing. And I was astounded that it, the stats show only about 9%, 9% actually follow through with their New Year's resolutions. Do you feel like some people are just naturally motivated or can anyone get that motivation to stick with their habits and stick to their goals? Because I feel like a lot of people just don't. Yeah, yeah, anybody can. The circumstances, though, have to be such that that it's almost life or death for some folks. Like, well, like for me, you know, I don't have a, I, I, the er, in the early days, mm, I don't know what I was doing. I didn't really care. I just wanted to smoke weed and meet girls, you know what I mean? Uh, and pay my bills. That was, that was really sort of, and drink some beer. And then I started exercising <laughs> and went, oh, this is stupid. You know what I mean? And, I, you know, and, and none of that mattered to me anymore, but I was in my teens and twenties. Right. And so that's, that's, that's the behavior of teen of, of people that age. But, um, you know, for me, it, it was really about re-education, you know what I mean? Abandoning things, you know, like, you know, for me, it's easy to put a line down the center of a piece of paper. What's working, what's not working. You know what I mean? You know, what's working because you see success in these areas of your life. Here's what's not working, but why do you keep doing these things? Cause they're easy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's easy to do the easy things, but the easy things don't amount to anything. You know what I mean? The hard stuff, you know, the areas where you're really, you know, you're disciplined, you're taking 10% of your income and you're saving it. You know what I mean? You're, you're right. You've got a calendar and you're writing down all your workouts. You know, you know that, you know that you're lactose intolerant. You know that you have maybe not celiac, but you have a gluten thing and you just keep like my, my wife's mother has got, has all these health issues and she's finally, finally, finally just abandoning the, the dairy, abandoning the bread. She's making her own gluten-free bread and she's got more energy. She feels great. She's like, all these years, it's been the food. <laughs> I go, 
You are what you eat. You are what you eat. You are what you do. You know, there, there are three things that affect us every, any given moment of every, of every second of our lives. It's our genetics, right? There's the, there's your two, your parents had sex. They made you, you are that. So maybe one's an endomorph, one's an ectomorph. Who knows? But you're a combination of who they are, right? And so then you also have your environment, like, you know, the stress environment, the, the, you know, the, the toxic environment, the water, the air, the, you know, the whatever, the people in your life, they're all part of your environment. And then you have your behavior. You know, who are you? Are, you know, are you writing things down? Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? Are you getting rid of the boneheads in your life? Are you, are you, you know, holding on to a job that you're not necessarily like still pursuing, you know, still ha- spending time doing something that you love? Maybe that becomes your job later in your life. It becomes your, you know, it becomes your career. Um, you know what I mean? So there's, you know, there's simple things that you learn in some personal development books that will sort of steer you in the right direction. Um, and that's, that's all I've done. You know I mean? There's no reason on God's earth in my forties, twenties, thirties, early forties, all my friends married, having kids, buying homes, making six figures plus looking at little old me in the Santa Monica in the, in the apartment building with the same carpet, like that poor Horton. I, oh, damn. I, he's funny. And he's, he's kind of fit. And he's, he's you know, he, he doesn't seem like a loser. <laughs> but everything about it, everything about me said <laughs> I, I was. And then, you know, then, you know, w- w- there was some luck. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of luck. But what is luck? Luck is opportunity meeting readiness. And then when the opportunity came, I was ready. And then, then that's luck. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's not winning the lottery kind of luck, but it's, but it's, I mean, even winning the lottery, you got to go to the gas station and buy your tickets. You know what I mean? You got to do something. Um, that's right. And that's, that was my, that's my story. That was my journey. And that's why I, I kind of feel like I, I'm, I'm blessed, but I didn't, you know, and I surrounded myself with the right kind of mentors. I didn't have any mentors as a kid. I mean, my father wasn't around. My high school football coach was an absolute jackass, you know, just a mean son of a bitch. All he cared about was the win column and having his name and picture in the paper. He didn't care about us, the players. <clears throat> but then again, I wasn't a very good player anyway, so there's that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times we're all hanging around waiting, you know, wishing, hoping, praying for things to change. And it really kind of comes down to us. You know what I mean? You can't really wait around for others to do the job for you. You know what I mean? You can reach out to them. You can ask their advice. You can, you know, look for help. You know what I mean? You know, no man's an island, right? So you have to, you know, find good sources and ask Mm -hmm. questions. I know a lot of people who are brilliant, but they just, they just try to solve all their, all the problems by themselves. And they, you know, they live in studio apartments, apartments with the view of the train station when they could have been rock stars or movie stars or, scientists but they you know they're all they're all they're afraid to reach out i i was i never used to raise my hand i raised my hand all the time question i got a question i have a question i have a question i have a question i have questions right but and then we're like and then i get an answer i go not good enough i don't understand what do you mean you know what i mean like i am just i reach out all the time and i think a lot of people think i'm nuts but boy, it's easier to find the solution. I can Google things. There's all kinds of ways to find answers. But especially if you're dealing with certain people, and like I have three jobs now. With Beachbody, I had one. Now, actually, I have four. And so it's four times more work. So I have to ask a lot more questions. And I'm dealing with a lot of different people who work for different companies that I work with. And it's not smooth. None of it's smooth. Speaking of which, what are you doing now? What kind of projects are you are you working on now that you made these transitions? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Um, I work for Tonal now. So uh, <laughs> Tonal, T-O-N-A-L, Tony on Tonal. If you don't know what Tonal is, it's not the mirror. People think it's the mirror. The mirror is a thing that uh, Lululemon bought. And the mirror is a television turned this way with trainers on it. Okay, and that's great. But you got to bring your own stuff. You got to bring your own dumbbells and your own everything else. The tonal, um, is a very unique, it's, it's like, um, it's like an iPhone with arms, a giant iPhone with arms. So the arms click out and they move in every possible direction. So you can do deadlifts and bicep curls and tricep extensions. And there's all kinds of different handles that all click in and the arms go up, they go down, they go open, they go close, they go in every possible direction. So picture every piece of equipment you've ever seen in a gym. It does all that. And it's cool. four and a half feet tall and four and a half inches deep. And it goes on your wall and it's a big, beautiful screen. And I'm on that screen along with some other trainers as well. 
And I'm in there, you know, several times a year, shooting programs, shooting workouts. Um, and that's a blast. And um, now these are things that I've had to pursue when that when it didn't work out at Beachbody, right? And so, whatever I, you know, I, but it was luck, a lot of wood knocking, a lot of questions, and my wife that made all these things happen. And I have my own supplement line called Power Life. You can go to mypowerlife.com and you can check it out. We have whey and plant-based proteins, chocolate and vanilla. We have an amazing product called Foundation 4. Uh, actually, the protein powder and the Foundation 4 were part of my cure when I came out of, out of uh, I mean, it's just the timing was amazing, meeting these folks. And they they kind of formulated these things for me because I was so skinny and scrawny and my I had leaky gut, didn't know it. And I took all these tests. And that's what, partly why, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, tons of magnesium and sun fiber and, and, and broccoli florets and spinach and, and uh, probiotics and prebiotics from the Foundation 4. The Foundation 4 has been a lifesaver for, gosh, hundreds of thousands of people. It's just an amazing product. And the protein too, because there's something called HMB and HMB and a vitamin D3 compound that does a little bit something extra than a regular protein powder. Um, so there's that. And then last but not least, but that's, this is my wife and I, during the pandemic, started these workouts, these beta workouts online, just because people are like, I'm stuck at home. What am I going to do? And now it's grown into a full-grown business uh, where, you know, we call it Power Nation. And, uh, and, the, and the product itself, the workouts are called um, the Power of Four. So you go to powernationfitness.org. That's powernationfitness.org. There's 25 workouts. Now, P90X had 12. 12 is a nice number. We thought 25 was better, but we added all the mindfulness into there. It didn't exist. So the four things are supplementation, obviously mindfulness, there's exercise, and then there's mindfulness, fitness, supplementation. Oh my God, I can't remember all four. Um, (laughs) My wife's upstairs going, are you kidding me? You can't. Fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindfulness. Boom. There they are. Got um, it. <laughs> and that, that was in those, you know, like it's like a table. You need four four legs to a table. And I think the reason why people didn't do well with, with P90X is it just felt like an ass kicking every day and they couldn't sustain it long term. So we sh- we came up with these things called stop options. <clears throat> and we and we all, ha- we, you know, we had modifications in P90X, but now we power up and power down. So you look at the me and the two people behind me. Oh, look, Sally, she's kind of going mellow. Ah, I can do that. Oh, look, there's Alan. He's a maniac. He's jumping through the roof. That's how I feel today. And we have stop options all through almost every single workout. Meaning if the workout's an hour, a lot of people look at an hour long workout and go, I'm out. I'm not going to do that. But we have a 20 minute stop option and a 40 minute stop option. And then we just say, Hey, 20 minutes is up. You got things to do and place to go and people to meet. Or maybe you just, this is the first time you've done this. Stop here, move to the cool down. And people are loving that. And quite often they move right past the stop options and they keep going. But it, it's nice that, that those are there. And there's 25, so there's tons more variety. And that just takes up, you know, that's that's the bulk of our energy, mostly my wife, you know. So, uh, And then now I'm developing a new program, which is sort of top secret, so I can't talk about it yet. But, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll look out for that. I, I, I just am so happy and proud of you. I know that's weird to say that, but I am because I've, I've seen you on your journey and it's just amazing to see how far you've come and where you are now, not just with your physical journey, but with your mindfulness journey and your health and your, your, your spiritual, you know, awakenings and everything that you've gone through in your own life. So it's really nice to see how well you're doing. If you can look back and give yourself any piece of advice, what would that be? Well, you know, I wouldn't change anything because it all turned out okay. There's a lot of my peers where it's, they did really well early on. And then because of family issues or health issues or some stuff like crazy stuff with their kids or their or divorce or something, you know what I mean? So the, the good, the bad, and the ugly can happen anywhere along the course of the journey, depending on, on who you are. Um, uh, you know, I, I would just, I would just... <laughs> probably tell my young self it's going to be okay dude and just don't you don't have to freak out and stress out as much as you are you know what i mean um that mellow part of me didn't exist when i was younger and i was a bit of a wild man with 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 drugs and alcohol a little bit not as bad as a lot of people i mean i just literally killed it when i just realized i didn't need it you know what i mean um yeah i just wasted a lot of time i was a big procrastinator that was another one too i would just put things off to the very end I still do that sometimes, but, you know, 
whatever. The apple doesn't grow far from the tree. Um, Yeah, just chill out. It's going to be all right. You know what I mean? Enjoy the journey. That's what I would say. I love that. Well, Tony, thank you for sharing all your nuggets of wisdom. Uh, Thank you for being so vulnerable. I really appreciate that. And I know that um, my listeners are going to love this because it just, it, it shows just your journey and it's not, it wasn't just from A to B, you know, there were challenges along the way and you overcame them. And I know that you're going to continue to inspire so many, just like you did with myself. So thank you so much for your time and your energy and coming on the show. My, my pleasure. You know, if there's one 30 second little tidbit, I would add, you know, if people are still kind of struggling with their, with their life, regardless of whether, whether it's their health or not, Exercise and cleaner food was the foundation of who I am without those two things because it gave me the energy and enthusiasm to be able to deal with my life. Without those two things, I couldn't. And it all comes down to brain chemistry. I mean, healthy food and regular exercise releases norepinephrine and dopamine and serotonin, something called brain-derived neurotropic factor. You know, the only other way you get that temporarily with lots of issues afterward is through drugs and alcohol and, and farting around. You know what I mean? So- you know, jump in the deep end, you know, tr- check out um, uh, powernationfitness.org. It's free for seven days. Just get moving, you know what I mean? And and start to take out the, the crappy food and start adding the good stuff and figuring out ways to make it taste good. And your life, other things, the, the mental and emotional and spiritual part of your life starts to open up as well, which is really cool. I love that. We're going to link everything for everyone to find Tony's website, to see what he's doing, to hop on board with all the amazing uh, products that he's implementing right now and the project. So I'll link everything for all of you guys to find. Until the next time, see you on the next episode of Diary of an Empath.